With all the talk of the great resignation, ensuring you have the team and talent you need to scale your business has never been more critical. Today, we're replaying a popular episode about hiring and training a great assistant, a member of your team that can take huge amounts of work and stress off your shoulders, leaving you free to do the growth and scaling work your company needs. Please enjoy, and we'll be back next week with the fresh new insights about scaling your business. Is your current success putting a lot of demands on you? If you're good at what you do, and you are, then everyone wants you, but that's no way to scale. If you're delivering spectacular results, you should be commanding higher fees, working with only the best clients. Welcome to the Hands Off CEO Podcast, where world-class agency owners and consultants learn how to fully monetize their expertise and scale profits by doing less. Here's your host, Mandy Ellison. Hi, this is Mandy, and you are listening to the Hands Off CEO Podcast. I am here with Tim Francis from Great Assistant, and he has three amazing strategies to help you delegate better. Take it away, Tim. The very first strategy, and this shocks a lot of entrepreneurs, is do not use email when it comes to delegating to anybody in your internal team, including your assistant. Email is a wasteland of distraction for both you and your assistant. We need to keep both of you out of that email inbox and focus on getting things done. My second great tip for delegating is to use a tool called Loom. Maybe you've heard about it before. It's a free tool. You can download it directly into your browser. It allows you to record your screen and narrate what it is that you want done. If a picture is worth a thousand words, then a screencast is worth at least that much. It allows us to delegate far more quickly and be much more clear about what we want done. The third and final strategy I've got for being able to level up your delegation is to hire an assistant that fits you properly. So I've hired assistants from all over the world, from the Philippines, India, Pakistan, Jamaica, the United States, Canada, literally all over the world. And when it comes to getting that right-hand person who's going to become like your mini-me, hands down, the best value for your dollar is to hire someone from uh, the United States or Canada for around $18 to $22 an hour, so around that $20 an hour mark. The value I've experienced far outstrips anything that I've been able to achieve with anyone overseas. So there you go, Mandy. Those are my three quick tips. Great to be here. Thank you so much. I am so glad to have you here. It was a fun way to get started. And Tim and I have known each other for a few years, and he's created this really amazing company. This was like a riff off off of a main business, right? That just kind of got started accidentally, right? Do you want to tell us more about that, Tim? Yeah, I had been consulting privately, brought into boardrooms and also into people's homes, entrepreneurs working from home. And I was just seeing again and again and again that entrepreneurs desperately needed help oftentimes to get the minutiae or the lower level work off their plate. And I looked around and I didn't see any company that really addressed that the way that I thought it should be. Because getting an assistant is one thing, but keeping that assistant and making them really profitable for you is three completely different conversations. And so I started a company called Great Assistant that addresses all three of those, in my opinion, uh, very, very powerfully. And our clients would, would echo that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And Another reason why I wanted Tim on here is that the way that he's built the company Great Assistant is exactly the way we teach people in our Scale to Freedom program to scale services. And the level of quality only continues to scale as this company scales as they have more data to go off of. And you guys have hired, what, 300 virtual assistants now? That's right. Yeah. My internal team is eight people. And our team of eight people, we've helped place 300 executive assistants for entrepreneurs around the United States and Canada. Tim, I've learned a lot from you over the years about hiring assistants. And, you know, I'm, I'm going back and forth and learning things from each other. But one of the reasons why I wanted Tim here on the podcast is that I wanted to introduce you to this resource that I've vetted. I know people who have, have used their services and have been very happy with them. And some CEOs are just not ready to work with us yet until they have this great assistant in place. The other things that I love about their service is that it actually, like, fits perfectly into what we're doing because when we have someone that is at the level that they hire, great assistant, we can develop them into a project manager. We can grow up, develop them into an operations manager. That's the level of people that they're hiring. That just really adds leverage when you already have that person in place. And if you're at a point where you're too busy to hire, you don't have the people in place to actually run the hiring process, you definitely need to listen up to this interview to hear how you can do it better. And also, you know, maybe just have great assistant take over the process for you. Love that. Yeah. There's something really, really powerful 
when we start moving from a what to a who question, right? And Strategic Coach talks about that. And in the book, Who, they talk about that. In the beginning as an entrepreneur, we really do need to be focused on what do I need to do? Like, how do I write a proposal? How do I get clients? All the rest. At some point, we need to transfer instead of what should I be doing into who should be doing it. And I think that's a big, big, big transition. And secondly, many years ago, I was, I don't know, but this may sound awkward, but I get a lot of my best ideas in the shower. It's just like, you know, you're just <laughs> relaxed and hashtag shower thoughts. I always joke about that. Some people, it's walking their dog or mowing their lawn. For me, it's in the shower. And so I'd heard an old saying from my grandfather, who's a farmer up in Alberta, Canada. And he said, well, Tim, good, fast, cheap. You can only ever have two of the three. And I thought about that. It's like, well, of course, yeah. If you, know, if you get a fender bender on your car, if you want it fixed good and you want it fixed fast, it ain't going to be cheap. If you want it fixed fast and you want it fixed cheap, probably not going to be very good. And if you want it fixed cheap and you want it fixed good, you have to go to your uncle and he's going to work at evenings and weekends. It's not going to come very fast. And along those lines, I realized that in hiring, there's that similar kind of two out of three scenario. And it's the three points of the triangle are talent, compensation, and working conditions. And if you want someone to be talented to work on your team, which I highly encourage that you get people that are talented, it seems self-evident. And, and if you're going to ask them to be in your city, come work at your office or your home office, you want them to work nine to five, you want them to work 50 weeks a year, guess what? You're now asking them to, to work a traditional nine to five. And if you're going to ask them to work a traditional nine to five, then now you're going head to head against Coca-Cola, Google, Apple government job. You're going into the mainstream labor force and there's a very good chance it's just going to be too expensive. So I realized that if you're not willing to wiggle on talent, which I highly recommend you don't wiggle on talent. We want talented people. All you got to do is be willing to wiggle on working conditions. And all of a sudden now you can have amazing, amazing talent at an amazing price. We've helped hire uh, around 300 assistants now, and they're all coming out of corporate America or professional America, and they're tired of the commute. They don't want their kids to be raised by other people. They hate, I mean, maybe it's the office politics or any of that. And so if you're willing to let someone work from home, work anywhere between 10 and 40 hours a week, we've placed at all ranges, and you're also willing to let some of those hours be flexible, like let someone go on the field trip from time to time with their kids and or see them home from work, I'm sorry, from school and let them work maybe a few hours in the evenings. If you're willing to be flexible on that, it is extraordinary the talent that you'll get for, like I said, around $20 an hour. Right, right. And the loyalty too, right? Right. And the consistency too, because we've had the spouses of military people, spouses of executives that get moved around city to city every two or three years. And if the assistant had a traditional job, they would have to quit and restart every single time their spouse got moved. Because the job is virtual, now all that that assistant needs is a couple of days off to move their family. And guess what? They get to continuously remain as your assistant because they're virtual. So the continuity is just absolutely sublime. Yeah. I love that you said that. And you know what I've also discovered with this? We hire people in a very similar way at the mindset around the working conditions. I love that triad that you mentioned there with the talent, the compensation, and the working conditions. So, and with our values, it's about freedom. And it's not just freedom for us, but for our team. I just can't imagine forcing someone to miss that play, that being able to maybe even volunteer in their kid's classroom every now and then. These are the kinds of lifestyle things Benefits you never get working for these companies like Coca-Cola. I agree. There's something that's rather priceless about having that experience and that freedom, that flexibility. And, you know, I mean, life happens, right? Like we have ailing parents, we have makeups and breakups and families, you know, it just goes on and on. Right, right. Well, you mentioned something about remote and maybe, maybe we could talk about this really quick because... I think we're entering a little bit of a radical place for some people and the concept of like, what they're not going to be in my office, in my city. Like, how can we actually work effectively if they are one time zone away? That's a great question. So the interesting thing is, if you were to look at any traditional meeting that happens in a corporate office, the next actions, 
like, yes, there's a meeting that happens. Maybe it's in a boardroom or something like that. The next actions are oftentimes, oh, email me that or, oh, send me that spreadsheet. So guess what? The, the real work is actually happening at computers. And the more and more and more time goes by, the more and more and more is done virtually. Like, I mean, literally the U.S. Postal Service and, and Canada Post up in Canada have seen mail volumes decline precipitously because things like online statements and, and whatnot. Now, all of that is because the whole world is just moving more and more virtual. I think that there's a question of managing risk with any new hire that we get. And I'm always asking myself, how can I take this from feeling like I'm jumping the Grand Canyon? And how do I reduce that risk so that it feels manageable? So for example, if I hire someone in India or the Philippines or Jamaica or Pakistan, I may not speak the local language. I may not know if what the legal system is, if I ever had to pursue or take some kind of legal action. I don't know what the culture is. I don't know if I would need to bribe someone to get something done, right? I don't know if the internet and electricity is stable. I've actually personally had the experience. My very first assistant I hired was in India. She was amazing. Her English was amazing. Her skill was amazing. Her drive was amazing. Everything was amazing. Then one day she just disappeared for seven days and I had no idea where she went. And she came back seven days later with a flurry of messages saying, oh my goodness, Tim, I am so, 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 so sorry. I said, what happened? And she said, well, there's a political dispute. And my politician for my neighborhood got into a fight with another politician who happened to control the electricity. And the other politician had the electricity turned off to my neighborhood to just like get even politically. And I was like, oh my God, I'm depending on my assistant and my assistant's depending on that infrastructure. That's crazy. So, you know, there's a series of pretty transformative events that happened in my life. I can share a lot or a little of those. It led me to realizing though, that really life is a team sport and business is a team sport. If I'm ever going to get ahead, I had to get an assistant, even though I'd had a couple bad experiences to start with. And along the way, I've just asked myself over and over again, what's the risk and how can I manage for it? And by hiring someone in, in the United States or Canada, that reduces the vast majority of the risk. And then from there, doing things like criminal background checks and like using effective delegation tools like 360 delegation, which is something that we teach, like you know, using some of the hiring methods that you know, I can teach today if you're interested in me talking about those. We're just reducing the risk so that it goes from feeling like the Grand Canyon to feeling like a pool and down from a pool to feeling like a little ravine and a ravine down to a little crack in the sidewalk where you might still stub your toe and skin your knee. But most likely you can make that step. It's not a big deal. Right. Something I actually want to point out that you guys do to actually help manage that risk. What I'm seeing that you do with your service, and you've never told me this, but that just looking at the way you run your service, I imagine that what you've done is you've looked at all the ways that you could fail, all the ways that an assistant could fail, that we could fail in the hiring process, the screening process and actually being able to monetize this hire, being able to keep them. You've thought of all the ways that you could fail, and then you've looked at how do we be able to prevent those? Am I right in that assumption? Yes, absolutely. And it goes even further than that. So I think first and foremost is I screwed it up a bunch myself first. So, you know, I've made most of the mistakes that are to be made. And in a lot of ways, I was just creating the service that I wish I would have had like 10 years ago. In addition to like, anybody can throw a job posting or a comment up on Facebook or LinkedIn and say, hey, who knows someone, Right. And within seven days, you can have an assistant. So like getting an assistant is not that hard. It's really not that hard. You can go on Craigslist or in Canada, Kijiji, right? And you just throw something up looking for an assistant. In fact, there's people who are already advertising their services. You can go to thumbtack.com. You can go anywhere, right? And just say, hey, who needs some work, right? Getting an assistant is not that hard. It's seven days and one post away from happening. Now, what percentage of those hires are actually successful? Well, I'll share a statistic with you. The success rate of hourly workers in America across all industries is less than 50%. Less than 50%. That means you're literally better off flipping a coin. It's a little higher in some industries and a little lower in other industries. But I'll tell you, when it comes to hiring administrative assistants, I don't have the exact data on this, but let's just say it's around the average, just 50%. Along the way, with all the measures we put in place, many of which I'm happy to share today, we've been able to get up to between 85 and 95% success rate at the 90-day mark. So let's, let's just go worst case scenario, let's say 85%. And 
we also do a one-year survey and 80% of assistants are staying after the one-year mark. So basically, if someone's willing to stay the first 90 days, which is a really important learning lesson, those first 90 days are crucial. If you can get them to stay the first 90 days, most likely they're going to stay longer than a year. So along those lines, so we've looked not just at how do you hire a great assistant, but how do you onboard them properly? What do you need to do in the first 90 days for you to be successful? Right? How do you unpack your brain? Because at the end of the day, an assistant can only be as good at providing help to the degree to which their leader is able to lead. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize that. A lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in lottery thinking, right? You know, lottery thinking. It's like, if I just win the lottery, I'll be set for life. If I just get a record contract, my band will be set for life. If I just meet the right partner, I'll be happy for life. If I just get the right diet pill, I'll be skinny for life, right? It's like baked into the human psyche that we all want that. And we fall prey to that as well when it comes to hiring an assistant. The reality when you hire any new team member, and this is not going to be a sexy message, I'm just going to be super real about it, is you're actually worse off. You are worse off for the first handful of weeks after you get a teammate because guess what? You're already out of time and now you have to find more time to train them. And you're worse off. There's like a period of anywhere from two to about eight weeks where you're even more exhausted. I'll tell you what though, if you hire the right assistant in the first place, you make that two to eight week investment that assistant will hit a break-even point. So you're worse off for a couple of weeks and then you hit a break-even point. And at that break-even point, your assistant is now doing enough work that they're taking things off your plate as much as they're taking up your time. And if you stick with that assistant even longer, you now start getting ahead. And before you know it, you've actually climbed so far that you're at the original point of amazing expectations and hopes and dreams that you had and then after that, you stick with them even longer, you start getting into territory you never even knew possible. So a very, very quick story. I was booked to speak at an entrepreneur event in Denver. So I got on a plane booked by my assistant. I landed and I went to a hotel booked by my assistant. The next morning I woke up at the time that my assistant put my calendar. I opened up a Google document that had all my speaking notes. So I knew who the group was, how big it was, who's the typical audience member what I was allowed to say, not say, what I could offer, couldn't offer, the name of the leader, the name of the key people on the staff of the event, my laptop or their laptop, my clicker, their clicker, everything was all in one document. So within about 15 minutes, I was ready to go. Like an athlete or like the president being handed a briefing, that's what it looked like. Then from there, I presented. It went really well. Certain people were interested. I took pictures of the business cards of people who are interested or they filled out cards. So I just took pictures of that, sent it to my assistant. She was able to put it in her CRM and send it off to her sales team. And after that, I got onto a plane booked by my assistant and I landed here in Austin. And I arrived at my apartment at 6.05 PM. And I was actually the last person to arrive at my own apartment at my own dinner party. And there were 20 people here with a fully set table and all the silverware. And if you saw pictures of it, you'd be like, damn, this is <laughs> spectacular. It's a 15th story apartment overlooking Ladybird Lake downtown. It's gorgeous. It's called the Skyline Dinner Party. And in the last two and a half years, I've hosted 40 dinner parties and I haven't cooked a single bit of food and I haven't cleaned a single dish, right? And it's again, because we've got team going. So I did my job, which I'll share maybe in a few minutes, what I think the only three jobs are for any entrepreneur or leader. And I did my job. And then after that, I went to bed, I woke up and guess what? I got on a plane booked by my assistant to go to New York City for something else. And it just goes on and on. So when you can live in that jet stream, when you can live in what I call surgeon in the room, which we can talk about in a few minutes, all of a sudden, extraordinary things are possible. And you're going to wonder how you ever lived without a fantastic assistant. I love that. And the thing is, I want to point out here, because it's not just about the time savings, is it? It's about the energy drain, like all those little details. Just thinking about those details, just, oh, that just, it's not what I want to be spending my time doing, even if I have all this extra time, even if my day all of a sudden doubled. Like those are things that are draining. So when you remove them, you know, what does that actually do for you? Yeah, it's time, energy, and money. It's all three. And one of the best stories is one of our clients, Jimmy, he committed two of the cardinal sins of getting an assistant. Number one, he posted on Facebook, hey, who needs a job? <laughs> and the second cardinal sin was he hired the first person that was introduced to him. To give you an idea, when we're looking at an assistant, we're looking like one of our clients wants us to help. 
we're spending the equivalent of 50 to 100 hours to get three finalists and one winner. And we're looking at the equivalent of 50 to 100 applicants to come down with three finalists and one winner. So just to give you a sense of the breadth and the depth of the scope and the process, no wonder hiring the first person you meet oftentimes doesn't work out, right? So Jimmy had gone on Facebook, he hired the first person he met, it didn't work out, and he came back and he said, okay, I'm ready to do this the right way. He'd originally heard me on a, a live event and he's like, ah, oh, that sounds like too much work, I'm just gonna do it myself. That's funny. It sounds like too much work, I'm just gonna do it myself. It's so funny to hear that. Uh, if you think about it. <laughs> so he comes back and he says, okay, I'm ready to do it the right way. Within 30 days, he had an assistant. And within 60 days of having that assistant, a couple of incredible things happened. Number one, Jimmy had gotten probably about 50% of his minutiae off his plate. And with the freed up headspace, which is kind of pointing to what you're talking about, Mandy, he was able to finally, finally release a new product that had been on his mind for six years. And in the six months after that, that single product generated $250,000 in revenue, a quarter million dollars in revenue that had been locked up in his brain for six years. Now, let's quickly do some math here. What did it cost Jimmy to get an assistant? You know, yes, it was a few thousand dollars of wages and our fee and whatnot. What did it cost him to not get an assistant? Now, the human brain might say, well, $250,000, right? But hang tight. That was his revenue over six months. And that had been in his brain for six years, right? Right. So six years times six months per quarter million dollars, right? That's a $3 million error, not error, but a $3 million miss. That was the opportunity cost of him not having a great assistant. So oftentimes, and this is myself included, I used to make this kind of logical fallacy myself was, oh my God, well, I don't know if I can afford it. And it's like, maybe you can't afford to not have an assistant, Right. There is such thing as it being too early for you. Absolutely. And when people ask us, we'll just tell them if we think it's too early for them to get an assistant. There's such thing as the timing being wrong and like fit not being there, the timing not being there. And then also like there's such thing as there isn't a path to profitability. So I would say only once all those three things are in place, should you be going forward with getting an assistant? So if you don't have a product yet, or if you don't have a healthy volume of business coming in yet, then I would pause. I would maybe think a little more about it. Whereas if you've gotten an inbox or a Facebook messenger inbox or a text message of you just got lots of people that want to hire you, you've got a lot of opportunity flooding and you can't get a grad to it. It is like drop whatever you're doing, get an assistant immediately because that assistant within just a few weeks will start allowing you to capitalize on more and more opportunity. And now it's one of the most profitable investments you've ever made. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even say too, if your business isn't flooded with new leads. Maybe it's like, I have this vision for building this business, but I have no time to actually go out and do my marketing. I know what I can do to be generating business, but I'm just not doing it. And I think that there's like this misconception, especially with service-based businesses. And a lot of people here listening to the podcast have a service-based business where maybe it's a a done-for-you type of service. So they're thinking, well, you know, I need to hire a designer first. I need to hire a developer. All these other like more skills that I think that it probably represent the 50%, like flip the coin, like the level of certainty for hiring, the 50%, I think that actually applies more to those skills where you have a very defined job description. Like the success rate, I think for the virtual assistants, I would actually say is probably a much lower. That's what I've experienced. Mm. So 50%, mm. I think is very generous from what you said. Mm. I think 25 is probably where I would see both from person. I've had the same experiences you've had. I've had those too. But those experiences where you're hiring someone from India or the Philippines or Eastern Europe has some really great talent too. And Jamaica, I think you've mentioned. So there's these different areas where you can find good talent, but the trade-off is that, you know what, maybe they're going to be less dependable because they have power outages and those sort of things. So maybe you're taking those trade-offs much earlier, but when you're at a place where your business is it's a real business. It's really starting to blossom and there's a real business. There's all these opportunities. Like, wouldn't you agree that it is such a short-sighted way to look at it to actually not get real talent that actually will help you grow the company? Yeah. Well, I think that we just got to ask ourselves, what are the real costs, right? So a statement like, why would I 
train someone to do this 10 minute task when it's faster to just do it myself? Well, if all we're thinking about is today, then of course, why would you spend an hour training someone on a 10 minute task or 30 minutes on a 10 minute task? If we start zooming out though, and we say over seven days, how often does that happen? Or over 30 days, how does that happen? And if that happens, you know, if that 10 minute task happens three times a day, say it's something like sending an invoice, right? Maybe it's three times a day, five days a week, that's 15 times a week times 10 minutes, that's 150 minutes, that's two and a half hours multiplied by four weeks, right? That's 10 hours, right? So 10 hours a month. Now is it worth to put an hour in to get 10 hours back, right? Yep. And that's the trade-off we need to be constantly asking ourselves. And I think what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize, just for the record, like I got my first North American great assistant. I'd made $39,000 the year before getting my first great assistant based in North America. I got her. And in the 12 months afterwards, I made $109,000. Now, I'm not saying everyone at $39,000 should get an assistant. Like, I mean, obviously you got to make your decision for yourself. I just think that a lot of entrepreneurs think that you need to be way further ahead, that you have to have like a half million dollar business or something like that before you can get an assistant. The interesting thing is, is like after getting my great assistant, my consulting rate went from $40 an hour to 50 to 100 to 250 to $1,000 an hour. After getting my assistant, I was discovered speaking one day in Dallas by Forbes and I became a regular mm -hmm. Forbes contributor. I was asked to be a guest lecturer at NYU in New York City. I was even able to start a second business called Great Assistant. And so people today will say, whoa, well, Tim, you charge $1,000 an hour. That's why you have an assistant and I don't. And I'll say, it's actually just the opposite. I charge $1,000 an hour today because I got an assistant back when I was charging only $40 an hour. And so I think the mind shift set that needs to be there for an entrepreneur is the most important asset in their business is you. And we need to duplicate you. So this is where the surgeon in the room, the three things that I think an entrepreneur should be focused on really kicks in, right? So if we think about the medical community, in a surgery room, what does the surgeon do? Do they clean the room ahead of time? Do they pull out the tools? Do they get the blood from the blood bank? Do they take care of all the paperwork? Do they take care of the insurance payment, the finance part? On and on and on. No. The surgeon does three things and three things only. And this is the exact same three things that an entrepreneur should be doing and only these three things. Number one is strategy. That surgeon will meet at some point with the patient pre-op to ask them about what's going on. And the surgeon needs to come up with their strategy. What is the diagnosis? What is the approach? What kind of surgery? Where's the incision point? All the rest. Okay. Then from there, that patient does not see the surgeon again. That patient will then go and everything from getting booked is done by someone else getting prepped the day of, the room getting prepped, everything is done by everyone else but the surgeon. Then from there, once all that is ready, the surgeon comes in. And what does the surgeon do? Only one thing, high-level skill. Even during the surgery itself, the surgeon's not even doing all the things, right? He's got someone handing him or her a scalpel, handing him or her fluids, handing him or her sutures, right? So that's the second thing. The third thing that the surgeon will do and nothing else is actually high-level access. So that surgeon is the only one in the room who has access to their own medical license to be able to sign off on paperwork. They don't prep the paperwork. They don't have the patient go through the paperwork. They do, however, sign off to say, yes, the procedure was complete. Only that surgeon has access informally, let's say, to other surgeons. If the janitor in the surgery room tried to text a surgeon at another hospital for a second opinion, that surgeon probably isn't getting back to them. Whereas if a surgeon calls a surgeon and says, hey, I've got a tricky surgery on my hands, what do you think we should do here? Then that surgeon's definitely gonna get back to them because they're colleagues, right? So the three things that an entrepreneur needs to be focused on is strategy, high-level skill, and high-level access, and that's it. Now, over time, it's gonna take a little time to transition up to that level. And it's not like just one day you can just stop all the lower-level stuff and that's it. It's a process. I just think that when you ask yourself, okay, I need to duplicate me. I need to duplicate all the things that I do that are below the delegation line, like below strategy, high-level skill, high-level access. You can take graphic design or sales or anything else that it is that you do, and you can replace yourself. I'll tell you what, though, that's going to cost you at least 40 bucks an hour, if not more. Why not take things like billing 
calendaring, meeting prep notes, travel, all the admin and more ops type activities and get those off your plate and pay only $20 an hour. That's where we need to start. And that's where it's financially the most accessible. And the other thing is like just in this last year, I replaced myself as a salesperson in my company. It took about nine months just to find the right person with a couple misfires. And after that, it took six months of training them on everything from product knowledge, sales knowledge, team knowledge, industry knowledge, working from home knowledge they hadn't worked from home before, right? So there was a lot of knowledge that had to happen. Whereas my assistant, they were able to make a difference in the business on day one. The very first three things that I ever delegated to my first great assistant was sending invoices to clients. I taught her that in 15 minutes and she was already taking that off my plate. My return on investment was the same day, right? Uploading podcast episodes, uploading blog posts. She did those task number two, task number three. The same day that I taught her how to do it, she was already giving a return on time. Whereas a salesperson, they have to know 70% of the product and they have to know 70% of the sales process. There's such a high threshold before they can be effective. The minimum effective threshold is just way higher on someone like a salesperson compared to a minimum effective threshold for an assistant. An assistant will start taking time. And I know earlier in this conversation, I said like two to eight weeks, but that's two to eight weeks of them like working completely autonomously on certain tasks. You actually see return on investment on day one. And that is possible because you're picking the right person to delegate and the right parts of your everyday to delegate first. And that's where we got to go first. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. When we hire people, we see a return on investment in day one. I want to test them trial by fire. I want to actually see them generating good quality work in that first week. Otherwise, we know pretty early that they're not going to be a fit. But mm. when you spend the right time to actually do the screening and when you can attract them in with these ideal work conditions, and I think there's more to it too, which it could be kind of an interesting a future episode, but there's so many ways that you can attract and really high level talent who just love your mission, want to be part of what you're doing. Mm. Mm. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, agree. So, so one more thing I wanted to point out here is we keep talking about time and how this is saving time and it is critical and it's important. But one of the more important things I think is actually energy. So even if mm. it takes someone else twice as much time to do it, what it does is it frees up my mental bandwidth so I don't have to think about it. Throughout the day, I'm constantly pushing delete, delete, delete in my mind because I know my team is handling it. And it creates this open space for me to create, for me to be sitting there in my chair in my office and just thinking. And that's when these amazing ideas come. And you can't do that if you're so busy in the minutiae, even if it's not just the time, it's your brain space containing all those little details that are just like soul sucking. 100%. I can't tell you how many times a day I get things, requests, questions, whatnot, ideas even come into my head, and I just send it off to Denise, send it off to Denise, send it off to Denise, and for the next agenda, please tell so-and-so, please introduce so-and-so to so-and-so, and just go, 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 and I have the clearing to do things like meditate, ride my bike, work out, strategize, and something that's been really big for me, and I can thank you, Mandy, for really helping celebrate me is... I've been in the process of moving from Canada to the United States, right? And when you think about like, I've got too many low-level tasks to do. You know, I need to send out invoices and I need to like book my flights and on and on and on. I'm not going to get around to like telling the government of the United States of America that I'm in town. There's kind of like some major, major like critical points of failure here that if I don't take care of them, I'm screwed. I'm like deported. So it is like no messing around. And when you think about at that level, it's also like making sure that you've got the headspace to take care of like building that right team, taking sure of the finance of the company on and on. And you just can't be in that CEO seat doing those really high level things if you're constantly in reactivity mode, dealing with every little curveball request and ticky tack thing in your day, 100%. Well, something else that I think CEOs are really surprised about when they get a really good quality level of an assistant, an executive assistant on their team is just how good they can be. That's one of the things, and right out of the gate too, because you're hiring someone for a skill set that's very different than your own, that has a higher follow-through than you do, who has a higher attention to detail. 
I mean, I know that these are the kinds of people that I need in my life. I have them surround me in my life in every area. Because mm. if I'm left to my own devices, all these details will be left undone. I know that about myself. So as CEOs, especially if we're on the more creative side, it is required for you to be able to have these people that I'll say to like to clean up after me, <laughs> who can come yeah. and clean up after the mess that I'm like very quickly making. And it's incredible when you can find someone who actually can be moving at the same pace as you too. And I just want people listening to understand though, that there are people that can do what you're doing better than you can. And mm. it is not nearly as painful as you think it will have to be. And if you just follow the right process, when you're actually hiring this person, when you screen them the right way, when you train them the right way, and, and you guys actually do some training with, with the assistants after you hire them, right? Yeah, 100%. There's management by delegation and there's management by abdication, right? And management by abdication is saying, all right, get it done, go. And that unfortunately never works. What we need is management by delegation. There's a great tool we created called 360 Delegation, which I'm happy to share with everyone. And it's this very simple three-step process to go through to make sure that you're delegating effectively. Because when it comes to the 80-20 rule, we oftentimes think about it as, well, 20% makes 80% of the difference. And we, we usually think of that like hockey stick diagram, right? Well, there's actually a version of 80-20 that's the hourglass. The top 10% and the bottom 10% represent our 80-20, and the middle 80% is the middle of the hourglass. In terms of the impact that you can make, the top 10% is leading the work, the middle 80% is doing the work, and the last 10% is reviewing the work. And so my friend Mike Rhodes taught me about Hourglass, great entrepreneur out in Sydney, Australia. And the better that we get at the first 10% and the last 10%, the less we got to do the middle 80. And so it's actually a new skill set to learn to know how to unpack your brain and delegate effectively to an assistant. And absent that, you might have an amazing assistant, but you're just going to burn through assistant after assistant after assistant after assistant. If you don't know how to onboard them, you don't know how to unpack your brain, you don't know how to manage them, meet with them regularly. That's the difference between getting an assistant and keeping an assistant. I think just a fabulous question, this is another shower thought for me, was what would have to be true about the next assistant you hire if you were stuck with them for the next three years? Like just imagine you got to get it right. You can't screw it up. The next assistant that you've got is going to stay with you for three years. I bet you'd be a lot more careful about who you hire. I bet that you'd actually be excited to train them so that they would get effective as fast as possible. You'd probably be eager to onboard them effectively, make sure they've got all the right usernames and passwords. I bet you'd be eager to meet with them every single week because you'd want them to be synced up with you all the time. And guess what? All of those practices are the exact practices that are going to allow you to have an assistant that is successful and profitable and stays with you in the long term to get you up beyond three years and longer with however long you're going to keep your assistant, right? At every kind of fork in the road, if I were hiring someone new, I'd ask myself, am I doing what I know I needs to be done if I were theoretically going to be stuck with this person for the next three years? And I love that. And I even look at it a little bit differently than like stuck with them. It's like, if I can guarantee that they're going to be with us, if yeah. I can guarantee we have this level of person. And now we're really creating our reality here. And what hit me when you were saying that was, well, are we creating the reality of like, we'll see if they work out. And you have that love of commitment, which maybe like a set of 10, like, are you really setting them up right. to be successful? No, right. you're not, right? You're not really all in. You're not really committed. It's showing up with this like 10 out of 10 commitment level. Like this person is staying with us for three years. And when you are looking at it that way and it's like, it's done. This person is here. Then you're going to really be all in and be following the process that you're talking about here. 100%. Yeah. Could you imagine if a coach of a basketball team was like, well, I don't know. I kind of, yeah. And it's like, well, what's the athlete going to react to? Or if the parent says to the kid, oh, yeah, you know, I, I might be there. When you can say you're on the team. And we're going to be an amazing team together. And we're going to crush this thing together. It's go time. All of a sudden, they're like, well, all right, it's go time, right? <laughs> and now they're showing up ready to compete. And you're showing up ready to compete and bring your best and contribute at your highest level. And at that point, well, guess what? It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I agree with you 10 out of 10. And I think what you just shared is a really 
the most important leadership attribute, actually. It's like showing up, it's showing a level of commitment. And this is where you showing up with your energy, your full, it's like you're painting a vision for everyone. And when Mm. you are painting this vision as this is already done, the level of certainty, that's the word I've been looking for. So when you show up with this level of certainty, everyone around you believe you and they're like, yeah, I'm on board for this. And that's what it takes as a leader to really drive growth in your company and then enroll other people in supporting you with it. 100%. Yep. And I think what a lot of entrepreneurs don't realize, the second that you have one single team member, you just became a coach. You just became a coach. Whether you thought you did or you didn't realize it, you became a coach. And like, it's almost like the difference between having no teammates and having one teammate is as big a difference as having one teammate or 10 teammates. If you're willing to take it on though, one of my mentors, he sold this company for $114 million. I was sitting at lunch with him one day and I said, what is one of your like top three or top five factors for success? He said, you know what, Tim, a couple things. Number one, you need to understand that anything that you ever want to get out of this life is going to come from other people. And I just thought about that for days and weeks and months. And it's true. If you want to feel loved, yeah, you got to give yourself love. However, a lot of love comes from other people, whether it's your dog or whether it's your mom or your significant other or your best friend. If you want to get your time back, you're going to need teammates. If you want to have a business, you have to sell to other people. It just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. That's when it really clicked for me was that life is a team sport and business is a team sport. And really, if we really want to fulfill our potential on this planet, even if you are a solo consultant, I promise you that you can be the surgeon doing way more surgeries if you've got an executive assistant who can help prepare the surgery room and then clean up for you. And you go to the next surgery room while they prepare the next room and clean up. And they're always one step ahead of you to set the stage, set the stage, set the stage, set the stage, set the stage. And when I think about the most successful people in the world, and I don't necessarily mean like the people who have the most money, although it's equally true for them, they're all surrounded by people and they're all surrounded by great people right? With great skills, aligned goals, and the right instincts, which is something you were talking about, like someone who can come and act the right way. Sometimes we need someone who can make things up on the fly. Usually that's the entrepreneur or salesperson or marketer's role. And sometimes we need someone who can come and like make order of things, right? And really create the smooth, repeatable systems, right? And that's much more ops people usually and our executive assistants and whatnot. So I know that a big part of my why reason that kind of sits below the surface of great assistant and anything that I do is the thrilling pursuit of excellence. And for me, the only way I'm ever going to fully fulfill who I am and what I'm capable of with the great gifts that I've been given is going to be through teamwork. There's a quote I heard years ago. I actually had just come through a really crippling illness where I couldn't walk for three months. And I heard a quote that was, hell is meeting the man I could have been. Hell is meeting the man I could have been. That sat with me that day in 2011. And here we are a decade later, and it still sits with me. And there's just no way that I'd be able to fulfill my potential if it weren't for teamwork. Wow. I love that quote. I love that quote. And I just love this topic. We've covered so many different aspects here. And I love the service that you're doing, both for it being such a great resource for us. We refer out to you guys all the time. And that both our clients sometimes who are too busy that they might even not have the resources in their team to actually Mm. implement our hiring success system, which is very effective. But sometimes just having it done for you is going to be able to get you results a whole lot faster. So I think that if you're in a situation right now, I want you to be looking at if like, if you have like an inbox full of opportunities, like you really can't wait anymore. You really need to have that person in place as soon as possible. And, And actually, maybe you should look into great assistant and see if they can help you actually take this over for you and get this person in place in the next 30 to 60 days. Is that about how long it would take, Tim? 30 days. 30 30 days. days. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's amazing. We had talked about getting them. We talked about how to actually get them. Where do you guys find the best talent for assistants? That's one thing we didn't cover. Yeah. There's kind of like a sliding scale of both effectiveness and long-term stickability, right? And I would say at the lowest end would be going on Facebook saying, who knows someone, 
A little better than that is friends and family. One of the downsides of friends and families, if it doesn't work out, then Thanksgiving is really awkward. Then beyond that, I would say going into like some of the more targeted groups inside of Craigslist, that's another place you can go. Still not great in my mind, but better. Then getting into like the professional sites like monster.com, Glassdoor, any of the job sites, right? Then from there, we start kind of flipping from do it yourself to done for you. And once you get into done for you, there's a few different options. So one is if you go to a kind of like a contracting service where you don't actually own the assistant, you just kind of like rent an assistant for five hours a month or five hours a week. I'm not wild about those myself because if you ask yourself, who's that assistant going to be most loyal to, they're going to be loyal to whoever they've signed their contract with, which is the third party company and who's paying their check. Again, the third party company. And if you're not getting at least 10 hours a week of support from someone, that assistant will never actually generate enough momentum with you for you to feel like you're getting ahead. Right. If someone's not working 10 hours a week, they're going to have to say, like, oh, wait, which, which one of my clients of my 20 clients is this? And what's the login information again? And why do they want this done? And what industry is this? Like, There's just that constant startup that they have to completely learn and relearn and relearn and relearn. It's just a very inefficient way to go, a big waste of time and money. And not to mention this too, is that they're not getting paid that well because they are mm-hmm. subcontracting through someone else and you're paying a premium for a talent that you could just go directly to, pay them more, and then they're happier. Right. So those services are oftentimes charging between 40 and $80 an hour. And so you, the entrepreneur, will pay them, will pay the third-party company $40 an hour. They'll turn around and pay the assistant 20 How about, let's just pay the assistant 20 directly, to your point, Mandy. And over time, 22 and 25 and right? And then you've got this room and you just save tens of thousands of dollars every single year when you can hire that person directly. So that kind of leads us to the next spot up the chain, which would be a recruiting company, right? A recruiting company will charge you a one-time fee, depending on how the contract is set up. But they'll be able to find you someone and that someone might be anywhere from, again, kind of 18 to $30 an hour, who knows? And they're usually, that recruiting fee will sometimes be between about five and $12,000, depending on who it is that you end up hiring because they charge a percentage of salary. And then I think the most effective at all, and this is what great assistant is, is full service, where we're not only helping you to find the assistant, but we're actually also giving you some coaching to prepare yourself over those 30 days so that you've got your core values established, which is important to be able to teach and transfer that DNA to your incoming teammate. We're going to help you identify your first three tasks. We're going to help you put them and get them ready in terms of 360 delegations so that when that assistant comes, you're ready to hit go from the very first day. And so we're helping coach you and prepare your work at the same time as going out and finding assistance candidates and bring you three finalists. So then from there, you just be able to say yes to whichever one. And it's not uncommon actually for our clients to say yes to the very first person because they've seen everything we've done to vet them. And it's such a tight match that it's usually the first, maybe the second assistant most of the time that it's such a tight fit that the entrepreneur just goes, I don't need to look any further. This is better than I could have ever found on my own. That's kind of the whole spectrum. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And one of the things I wanted to point out too, is that I hope you don't mind me saying this, Tim, but the level of service that you guys provide for the investment is ridiculous. It's a, it's, it's a really good value is what I'm saying. I, but you can do that because you have such really clear systems and mm. the strategy is baked into what you do. So I'm not saying this is cheap, like a thousand dollars or something. There's an investment, right? But it's so reasonable. And I'm looking at this and even though we're experts, like my program director and I, we're hiring experts. But there was a point where we're like, maybe we should just go to great assistance on this because we were like so bogged down and we like, we need another assistant like <laughs> a month ago. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, is that like, I think that if anyone's listening and they're thinking about this, they should really, what's their next step? What is their next step? If this is something that sounds like it would be valuable for them. Yeah. So I recommend that you head over to greatassistant.com forward slash hands off CEO. And on that page, you'll see a few options. One is to download free tools. And from there, you can download tools like 360 delegation. We've got a few different tools you can download. It's called a discovery call. And it's on the page, you'll see it's called a discovery call. And it's a genuine discovery call. It's 
an opportunity to sit with Eric from our team. He's our client advisor and ask him the exact questions we've talked about today. Is this the right fit? Is this the right timing? Is there a path to profitability? And you'll have to be ready. He's going to ask you in the first few minutes if you'd be okay if he points out if it's not a fit first, right? Which is very uncommon when it comes to talking to client advisor. So he's really there to sit side by side with you. If he believes that great assistant is not a fit, he'll actually recommend alternatives for you. And he can even recommend timelines in what sequence you should go about doing things so that even if it's not a fit for today or next week or next month, there's an opportunity for you to still be able to get forward. And maybe in six to 12 months from now, maybe that's the better time to move forward. And then you also see there's an opportunity to join the Executive Entrepreneur Facebook group, which is a place for entrepreneurs who want to grow from being an expert on their own to actually learning how to be leaders at a higher level. So that's at Great Assistant. And there's no S at the end of Great Assistant. It's just singular. It's greatassistant.com forward slash hands off CEO. And we've helped clients in a wide range of different industries. And we've helped clients as small as, I don't mean to say small, but at a revenue level around the $60,000, mark, all the way up to $20 million in revenue, where we've actually helped place six and seven assistants at the same time inside of bigger companies. And we even have some clients where their assistant now has an assistant. We've had the opportunity to work with a wide range of people. The one thing is we only work with entrepreneurs based in the United States or Canada because we know that if you start getting into radically different time zone, radically different first language, radically different culture, sometimes things really break down quickly. So we want to just really stack the deck in your favor to make sure that you've got the best chance of getting a great assistant. Yeah, I love that. And I want you guys to recognize what Tim just said here is that he put a barrier around these are the kinds of clients that we work with and under these circumstances, because that's what it takes to be able to deliver quality and be able to have a guarantee. You guys have a guarantee, don't you? We do. And if you remember from a few minutes ago, we talked about how those first 90 days are so crucial. If you can win the first 90 days, there's like nearly a 100% chance that assistance going to stay longer than a year. So our guarantee is that for any reason, if you or your assistant, because it is a two-way street, if either you or your assistant choose to end the relationship in the first 90 days, we will find you a replacement assistant at no extra charge to you. Right. I love that. See, did you guys see her? I told you that Tim runs his business exactly the way that we advise our services to be able to scale a service profitably, sustainably, and in a way that just delights your clients. I love it. And I just got to give you a lot of credit, Mandy, because if you don't put a box around what it is that you do and you don't do, it's impossible to scale. It's just impossible to replace yourself in a service business. And people have asked us many times, hey, Tim, can you help me find a salesperson? I'm touched that you've had such a good experience with us with your assistant that you now want us to help you find someone else. And it's just not what we do. So we've got a team. How much easier is it for me to scale this particular business and this offering when we're only selling one thing? And when it comes to hiring my team, that's going to help you to get a great assistant. They can learn from each other. They don't have such radically different jobs that it's impossible to learn from each other. So total hats off to you, Mandy. We definitely are thinking on the same wavelength. (laughs) I love it, Tim. All right. So if you want to download these great resources like the 360 delegation tool, and if you want to learn more about Great Assistant, go to greatassistant.com forward slash hands off CEO. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on the Hands Off CEO podcast. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Likewise. It's an honor to be here. Thank you, Mandy.